Hey, I'm Hayden Buchanan, and this is Create Creative Creatives. On the show today, we have Vin, a recording artist, musician, and songwriter, fresh off the heels of releasing his debut EP, Outside In. Vin and I get into all things finding your muse, recording music, and diving into what it is to be a good artist and storyteller in the modern day. Remember, this is going back a year or more. We got coffee in a cafe and you were showing me the, the demos at that stage. Demos of yeah, Outside In. Outside In, that's it. And I remember the stories like that came from a breakup yeah. that you had. And then you disappeared over to the States. Yep. Disappeared over to the States for, for a minute. So I went to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. uh, San Francisco, New York. And yeah, it was a crazy period in my life because I, I was- spend more time? I was like New York or LA or- Less time in New York, more time in San Francisco and mm-hmm. LA. Yeah, the West Coast just, it was where my family was, but okay. also the vibes were immaculate yeah. for me. Yeah. You know, because I was so into R&B, so into funk music. I just got to meet the best people there. They introduced me to a whole world of that side. Yeah. Actually, I don't think I told you this story, but I was in LA and I went to, do you know Stone's Throw Records? I heard the name. Stone's Throw Records, based in, I think it's based in LA by Peanut Butter Wolf. Um, he had Knowledge, one of the best oh, yeah. samplers in mm-hmm. the game, hip hop samplers in the game. Um, My Design. One of the best uh, oh producers. Okay. Yeah. So There's a high caliber here. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. I uh, went to the um, pool party. Uh, you can't just it? have a party there. Yeah, you have to have a pool party there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You just have to have a pool party. And so rocked up to that and then met a few of the cats there too. Mm. And it's just so wild how you go to one thing and you meet all these people and then it just branches into a whole new world, a whole new universe yeah. and everything. And yeah, it kind of... Through meeting those people, it influenced my sound coming back here. Did you ever have any like like music stress sessions with any of them at all? Yeah. Yeah, quite a few. It's still in the vault, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still in uh, my hard drive and also in their computer as well. But we still talk. Yeah. You know, we talk every now and then. It's just... Because you used to go over there for a bit. Yeah, every year from 2016, 2017 up until COVID. Yeah. I can't get the same stimulus here. Um, or maybe I just wasn't in the right place at the right time to find that stimulus, but it's just a different different vibe that I still miss. So you've you know? gotten back from being over in the States and now you're looking at writing your new songs. What is your sort of process for songwriting? Are you somebody who has a mix of like, I have lyrics, I have some chords, I don't know, like but that melody that's in my head doesn't match that. Like, how do you pull all those things together? Are you a music first guy? Are you lyrics or is it just always different every time depending it's always on the song. different always different it's always different yeah it's uh, depending on the mood because i always write lyrics in my head or mm. through the notes or even when i'm driving or whatever so that, um, it's always you know just baking in the head yeah but, um sometimes a nice beat comes through a nice chord change comes through and then you kind of swerve around that or i swerve around that yeah it's whatever i feel like could be the skeleton yeah whether it's a line of a lyric or a chord change or even a beat, like a way, a swing or something like that. It's, it always changes, you nice. know. But that's, that's me in a nutshell when I, when I try and create something, even to this day. Um, but recently, I've been more beat-based. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like having like a bank of previous beats to then put whatever other... A whole bunch. Put. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's like... Um, one thing that I learned from the States is... as like you always kind of make a bank of drum loops or 
just lyrics that you always have, mm. you know. And for me, I was always recording drum loops almost every day. Even to this day, I'll wake up, have my tea, and then just cook up, just see what drum loop I have. The other day I made like a garage loop and then afro loop, you know. It's whatever sounds I can pull and make it feel like, it, make it feel good, yeah. you know. Then I can kind of save it, use it for later. If not for myself, then for another artist. So you've been doing a fair bit of production work as well for other artists, not yeah, just yourself. Yeah, yeah. Trying to get more into that lane. Um, well, I have been getting into that lane, but a bit more this year. Yeah. And next too. Because I think I have I have a lot of things to offer on the production side. You know, like there's, there's a whole bank in my my laptop and my CPU that, that needs to come out. Yeah. You know, that's it. The back catalogue. <laughs> The back catalog, yeah. we're probably like two terabytes of something deep. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. You know how it is. Yeah. I haven't released any music since 2017 and I just, I know I've got like four folders and it's like level one to four of like, this is ready to be like released. It just needs <laughs> lyrics and like mixing done to it all the way down to like, I can't get rid of this beat. I'm too mm. attached to it. Um, and then everything in between that. But I think it's like having that quantity there because I, I tend to find you might be the same. That's like it, it's it's shower thoughts. It's like being mm. bored for a moment and then all of a sudden for some reason you just recall the file in the back of your brain and you're like, I remember that. And then you start to like piece things together. I don't know whether it's like just being inactive with your brain for a moment. Yeah. And then having that creative tendency like tends to be like, oh, we've got to fill this void and it just smashes all these things together. Mm. But I really love those sort of moments there. But so it's, it's having the process of just constantly making absolutely that's yeah i think it's inherent but it's also like a learned behavior yeah. as well on top yeah. i think one of the most important things i've learned recently is to release mm. music um which sounds simple but like when i was holding on to some of those songs so the songs in my recent ep outside in mm-hmm. i i wrote those in 2019 or 2020 yeah something like that but it had to come out main reason is if it didn't, if I didn't release it, it would decay in my mind and my heart and my body. The sounds, I've already gotten over those sounds one, one and a half, two years ago. I'm already on something different. Yeah. But, you know, because I released it like two weeks ago, it's just, it, it, it decayed for so long. But now that it's released, it's got like a new life now. It's for Is everyone it like to reflective? enjoy. Like you're looking back on that, that era that they're attached to? It's a timestamp. Yeah. It's a timestamp of Vin in 2019 or 2017 to 2020 you know those are all those stories mm. you know the sugar baby story the um the story of you know just really really weird stuff <laughs> really 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 weird stuff happened yeah in that time so um, the best way to understand those is to listen to the songs as well absolutely yeah yeah it's a beautiful concept that that ep2 it's one of those things where i had to learn how to release music because that's for me as an artist that's how i would progress mm. You know? What was your sort of process with that? Because I, I remember when I started to release music, I really had no clue and I thought that you had to go through like a record label. How the fuck do you get a record label? How do you like elevate yourself to this point just to start? But now with things like DistroKid and, you know, yeah. a lot of music labels that have PR packages exactly. and things like that, like it, I think that's one of the things that I wish I knew starting off. So what was your sort of progression of like learning how to release? A lot of talks mm. with people in the industry. Lots of coffees. <laughs> so, a, a lot of coffees, yeah, yeah. you know. We've had a few coffees ourselves too. Um, but it's a lot of advice. And how I went with it was I 
Um, I tr- I thought of releasing the EP as a bundle initially, mm. but then because of how the market is recently, it's just all singles driven. If you know what I mean, which helps playlisting and etc. So on, and you you get to milk the EP or what, or whatever project it is for a longer period of time. Yeah. So that's the strategy it's, is to sort of like do your first you know three big tracks and then release everything else. Do what? Yeah, yeah. Do what I thought were the best. Um, singles for the ep the best or the most radio friendly um both both i'd say okay yeah which i was happy with and which me and my team would think would do so well getting spins etc so on turns out i was completely wrong in all of those <laughs> <laughs> so the first one i thought would get some spins was my first release faded love no love from spotify to it was all faded it was all faded yeah. yeah it just crashed and burnt okay second single which i thought i just might release this because i really like it i didn't expect anything then i get the spotify tutorial i get the the radio spins i'm like what the what is going on here it's always when you care less that it works for some reason it's crazy right yeah and then my third release which was a double single it was passion fruit and we're getting high but i pitched passion fruit but we're getting high ended up getting more plays my b-side mm. which is you know, I thought it was strange, but it makes sense because people love that song more. Yeah. But, you know. I guess it's like, as an artist, sometimes detaching from you know, how other people are going to see it versus like, because you're <clears throat> so involved, understanding it so well and like living out the context of each song and then putting out, be like, no, 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 this one's really important to me. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but this one's really fun to listen to. <laughs> and it's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, sweet. It's like the difference yeah, between the two of those. Yeah, you just kind of get stuck in your mind with it, you know. Yeah, 100%. Um, once you release, you, you actually know what kind of impact that piece of art has. What would your advice to anyone who's a bit lost on how to release their music? Maybe they finished something, if they want to put something out, because I know you recently got... Um, the EP out. EP out, yeah. and it's um, going FBI radio, yeah. some Triple J plays as well. J plays as well. So if somebody whose aspirations are to get those plays and be added to Spotify playlists, what would you say is like, okay, you've got these things finished. Let's say that they're being mixed and mastered. It's mm. ready to go. What the hell do you do with it now? Do you put it on a CD and post it to each record label? No, you don't <laughs> do that anymore, do you? What, what yeah. would you, your advice be to somebody who wants to put some stuff out? Um, well, I know what I know and I don't know what I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Just to start that off. But I would just release whatever you feel like, honestly. Uh, in this day and age, if you're releasing constantly, your face is out there more and you're just doing what you like. Then you kind of figure out the strategies after each release. As far as platforms and stuff go, I guess more on the like hard stuff, not so much the strategy, but like is there certain platforms that you use or services or businesses that you would recommend to anybody who wants to start out? Um, I actually went with a distribution label mm-hmm. called Noise Hive and they pretty much sorted all that, the distribution stuff for me and they're a good help. They take a bit of a cut, yep. but Italy alleviates- Is that done through mechanical royalties or is yeah. that done? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they take a cut, but- I don't stress about the distro. I just give them the date. I give them, I send them the songs. They pitch as well, um, but I pitch to Spotify myself. Nice. Yeah. So it's very simple nowadays. Cool. So um, it's kind of like you let them do the industry side of things, and then you'll do the. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Breaking yeah. Like that. So it's simple, but and you then, still got to do a lot of hard work. You yeah. still got to do the emails, emailing. Um, what's it called the radio presenters, whether it's Triple J or FBI. I've got. The whole spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's a hundred something uh, number, emails and numbers and names long. When you're putting things out as well, like one of the things that I, I found to be like the last bit of information, but probably the most crucial is like 
adding your is it ISRC tags to yep. stuff like that blew my mind finding <laughs> that I'm like what that you can tag it identifies the ads. and like this is why I think it's so important to like be aware of like having APRA which is the Australian Performing Royalties Association yeah absolutely. and like whatever that is in your country like having that and then understanding how to make sure that you own your bit of music at the end of the day because it's like there's yeah. the intellectual property at the end of all of this absolutely and yes you made a song and yes it's art and it's beautiful but it's also a product and you kind of I found that for that side of when I was releasing music was like, okay, let's shift this into more of a business mindset. And it's like, what are the legal things I need to do to make this product sellable and not mm. have like losses down the line in terms of, um, yeah. you know, yes, it's in my name, but it's also like a hundred percent of the profit goes to X, Y, Z or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely have to figure out all that admin stuff, mm. you know, um, the ISLC codes, because if you're going with district kid, for example, making sure you get your ISLC code is good because, if you're no longer with DistroKid and you change it to a dis- different distribution, your streams are the same, the plays are the same, mm. uh, whether you go with a different distribution too. If you're not representing yourself, even like you can give away certain parts of representing to people who can help elevate it higher than you ever could, but mm. it's making sure that you have those business elements down for yourself. Yeah. How you present to people is going to be how they represent you to other people. And I think that's a really important thing to think of early on yeah i still remember when i first had my meetings with um the distribution label that i worked with that came to me being like okay what's the look what's like and like they came to me with all the aesthetic questions on top and i'd already thought of everything because they were like showing me examples of people that they'd worked with or artists that they'd seen they're like oh when you're doing shows you could be like no 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 this is what it is and i actually went to the meeting with a document being like this is the wardrobe. This is the colors. This is the hex code of the colors. This is yeah. like, have like, this is the font. This is sort of like the look and feel document yeah. for it. And they're like, oh, cool. You thought of that? Great. We'll go with that. Because again, it's less work for them, but they're like, okay, thank God. This, this person actually knows what they want. Yeah. That's the most important thing too. Um, whether it's the visuals, the audio, the way you mix things, um, the types of photos you take, you, you have to have a say in that. It's brand otherwise, building. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Otherwise, other people will, mold you yeah 100 percent. and if that sits well with you fine but if for me it doesn't yeah what would you, you say know? um like the the short version of like what is your brand it's going to change but like the ep the outside in ep was more sad boy r&b lover boy modern day lover boy vibes if you know what i mean but so very you, nostalgic are you somebody who would like it's almost project based yeah 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 that's really like clever in the sense that like you can create a a world for that and That's then we I have something wanted. different create another world for it yeah yeah i i'm probably gonna always do that mm. i know it's a singles driven market but i mean even in the um the albums you can release singles yeah you know what i mean so the singles are different worlds in that universe you know i'm creating my little marvel universes through each of the projects yeah that's not yeah it's it's the way that i've always listened to records and i appreciate the the depth and level that people go through, artists go through to create that universe, mm. you know, and each song, like my song has like, sorry, my e, my EP has an interlude and a song called Baggage. And there's little snippets of baggage in each of the seven songs as well. Whether like it's a motif running through. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And for the, for like for the people who actually pick up on those deep cuts, it's like it, it elevates the experience more. Mm for them i guess on that as well like what is the sort of dream audience 
that you'd love Dream to have audience like like if you imagine somebody who's into your music what in your mind is like who are you trying to get that message across to for that particular project it was mainly people who are deep in relationships however weird or stable it is yeah because that's that whole project is relationship like love based if anything um and people dealing with vanity so a lot of like the younger younger generation early 20s ego yeah early 20s ego yeah you know that ep encapsulated a lot of those experiences one of those too. funny things when you like approach the end of your 20s you're just like wow i used to think like that and like old behaviors that you have I and like what do that yeah all you that know? kind of stuff um and it just felt so like you in the moment but then when you grow and you experience more you're just like it's funny because like i'm even noticing now just through conversations with like millennial friends that are working with gen z now yeah it, it's it's very easy to like see our generation do what older generations did to us because you grow and you move out of a space and then you end up being somebody new in a new space. And that's just what the generational shift is. And so you can look at like, Oh my God, look at these Gen Z kids. But then it's like the same time. It's like, yeah, but that was us. Yeah. Instead of TikTok, it was Instagram. Instead of insert trend, we were doing something else trend. And you know, the the Gen X, which was be like the 30 year olds when we were in our twenties or whatever it was. Yep we would look at them and be like, oh my God, in the same way that they would look at us and go, oh my God. And it's this funny thing of like moving through. So like that ego that you have them, you know, you do get a bit wiser, but at the same time, you almost need that ego in your twenties to push yourself to do the things and experience the things so that by the time you do reach the end of your twenties, thirties and beyond, you have that perspective because otherwise you're just so sheltered from, and, and as an artist, that's, really fucking detrimental yeah you pretty much destroy everything Mm. that like your muse you know your muse that you close the windows for the muse to come through if you do that you know and yeah time changes people change this is why you always constantly need to release because you change yeah you know it's having those timestamps like you said exactly going through your influences from before talking about like r&b after you did a lot of classical stuff in the Beatles and sort of like traditional yeah. hits um, from your family. And then you sort of moved into that funk world from LA and stuff. Where, did, where where have your influences been lately and where are they shifting to now? Like in terms of like, what are you listening to these days and how has that shifted from what you were listening to? It's very different. Yeah. Um, so after I finished off this EP, I I feel like I I explored that sounds as much as I could started to get back into the Neptunes. Okay, yes. And I listened to the whole catalog. And then things started to trickle. I I started to develop like the Neptunes bounce again. So in terms of production, that, that kind of thing. And then more garage music, more UK music. Okay. Any and, grime or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of heavy trap. So that's kind of where I'm heading to for this new project. Yeah. Yeah. It's but, funny that you mentioned that because even I'm noticing now there's a lot of stuff that we talked about like back catalogs of like beats and stuff like that. And I look back at a lot of stuff that I've, I've recorded and it's like got the timestamp of like 2012 or something like that from like way old Ableton yeah. projects. And like I grew up very much like doing like stage band and jazz and like <laughs> I sang in front of like the school's big band, which was awesome in its time. And like yeah. I wanted to be Michael Bublé back in the yep. day. The back of my school jersey said Bublé because everyone called me that because I used to sing and stuff like yeah, that. But yeah, yeah. 
it's everything that I would like sample was like strings and jazz based stuff. And it was like, I'd have like um, a mix of hip hop, but then I'd have like brushes on the drum kit. And so it was like, that was the influence mm. then, but then that's shifted again to the stuff that I'm making now, which is way more like atmospheric and yeah, it, it's funny how things shift from that. Cause I guess for me, like I went from jazz, big bands, you know, Frank Sinatra, and all those sorts of people. And I was listening to that instead of like ACDC, which everyone in high school was like, <laughs> nah, rock's the best thing. And I was like, yes, but have you heard this? Like, have you heard yeah, jazz? Do you like yeah. jazz? Um, and then that sort of shifted to like that lo-fi hip hop kind yeah. of thing. And that kind of like really molded into that. And then that got me into more of a hip hop influence with my production. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's funny how like one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And that ever evolving soundscape that, you live and again going back to what you're saying about the um the vibrations that you feel from yeah. music and all that kind of stuff it's what it's the different vibrations hit you at different times of your life it feels absolutely like, yeah in a weird way sounds yeah. very out there and spiritual yeah. but well, it kind of is out there and spiritual in a way yeah it is and you pretty much you expanded your world so that hmm. expands your art in 100%. terms too you know it sounds like you're discovering your new soundscape like outside in was one soundscape and one era one timestamp one fingerprint yeah. and now you're learning about i guess you're discovering what's already in your head with this yeah. new soundscape and what, what's, your, what's your sort of process for actually getting that done now because i remember you said like you had those songs since 2019 it's been a long time yeah but now you sort of learned like oh shit i need to be releasing music yeah what's changed in terms of like your production schedule to get it done yeah I wake up and then i mean i still do my morning routine, exercise, drink tea, blah, blah, blah. But I always turn on the laptop, Ableton, let's go. Straight away. You know, um, let just as long as you sit down and start something, like write or just start making beats. Are you going between multiple projects or right. are you just locked into the one until it's done? New. Um, every day is like almost new. But then when I feel like I have two sessions mm. or three sessions during my day, so the morning one is like, I just go freestyle, mm -hmm. which like kind of opens the door for the muse to come and hopefully bless me with some inspiration, yep. you know, do that for like a good hour or so. But if I'm really vibrant, sometimes I finish it in an hour yeah. or even quicker. Everything hits them. Exactly. Yeah. Because awesome. it gets to a time when you practice a certain genre or a certain specific sound. I don't use, I, I don't, I don't think I spent 10,000 hours doing that specific sound, but you spend enough hours beforehand to know how to make that sound. Which is part of the 10,000 hours. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Things get quicker, and me for me, these new sounds are coming quicker to me. So it's, it's also that, and having released this EP, I understand how to release things. Yeah, you know, so all those learnings wiser. Onto exactly. The next. What are the components of releasing? What are the visuals that I need? Who do I need to talk to? Yeah. Nice. So it's a faster turnaround. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be good for it too. And then again and again and again, it just gets keep doing it the muscle gets bigger exactly nice exactly so it becomes like a fast twitch muscle you know yeah you also did some stuff with fender recently yeah yeah yes. what's that so um i got a little lucky break from uh being picked up as the guitarist for ziggy ramo yes one of the best uh australian conscious rappers we played a few shows we played the opera house played abc's the set and then the AFL halftime show. And it was through those shows, me and Fender started a working relationship. Nice. And Do they yeah. reach out to you or had you? I reached out to them. Yeah. Nice. yeah. The boy a hustle, from, that's good. The boy from Western Sydney got a hustle, you know. 100%. And I thought, 
I thought, you know, if I'm playing a guitar in front of all these people, you would love your pro your products to be out in front of all these people yeah. too. Yeah, uh, smart, love it. You know, so I emailed Fender and then I uh, went into the showroom and they said, take a pick. Mm. And I chose... Okay, so that's a bit of a dream come true. The Miami Blue. Miami uh, Blue? American Pro Hour Pro 2, which has... I'm geeking out here. Yeah. But on uh, one of the pickups, you press the pull on, pull up, and it connects all the pickups together. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's crazy. It makes it sound like a 70s funk guitar. And it's a modern guitar, you know? So lucky to have that one. <laughs> no, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the, that's the Fender relationship. So um, I'm continuing at the moment. I'm playing all these shows and I'm, I'm still in contact with Fender. So yeah, that's an exciting bit of a dream come true. Yeah, that's awesome, you know, it's, and it's crazy because obviously we talked um, piano and keyboards was my first instrument, but I started playing guitar when I was 19. And then, yeah, lo and behold, get the Fender before, you know, getting the Korg or the Roland. <laughs> but, you know, Korg and Roland hit me up too. Yeah, yeah. I'll be playing. It's all in the works. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. it. Actually, Roland followed me yesterday, so. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Backroom so deal coming up. You know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be in talks with you, Roland. Hey, thanks for watching the very first episode of Create Creative Creatives. I really appreciate you sticking around until the end and a massive thank you to Vin for jumping in as guest number one. You can listen to his EP Outside In and follow him on social media via links in the description below. I would also love to know in the comments below how you release your art and any creative routines of your own that you feel like sharing. All right, I'll see you next Tuesday.